Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we are recording and you are listening today. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome back to another episode of You Have My Interest. I'm Evelyn and together with my colleague Maddie, we're mortgage brokers here to help you make smart moves with your money by giving you tips, tricks and tools to help navigate your wealth journey. Thank you so much for joining us today on the pod. I am super excited to talk to you. I used you myself as my insurance broker um, and I had great experience. So I really wanted you with your wealth of knowledge to come on and chat to our listeners about what you do. So let's start it off, Phil, with what does a day in your life look like? A day in the life? Um, We've got a, a pretty decent team at the moment. So we've got like 20 team members. So my day's mainly... Um, team meetings um, and like yesterday I had a free calendar day with one client meeting I was like oh this is going to be amazing going to get through stuff three o'clock I've been in like back-to-back team meetings for this issue or this problem or how to help someone with this so a lot of mine is helping my team um, but then we do you know quite a few client meetings every week um, but yeah so for me it's client meetings and team meetings I guess Ev would be able to relate to that a fair bit. She'd have one or two client calls and then the day comes and she's just stacked to the roof with stuff to do. So I'm sure she's not surprised on that answer. It changes a lot though, you know, as you start to build out the team because at the start I was definitely doing all the work and now even Maddie was saying the other day, sometimes she picks up a client file and she's like, oh, I miss the fact that I haven't been working with this from the very beginning so with your business growing for so long you've been you've had sky wealth now for nearly 10 years is that correct yeah so i've been an advisor for 10 years um and we were doing kind of everything for everyone uh, when it comes to financial advice so superannuation investments retirement planning um and then in 2019 i decided to simplify my life simplify the business so we just now do insurance only so personal insurance cover and how come you just chose insurance to hone down on and specialise in? Yeah, so um, financial advice, just similar to mortgage broking, is um, very compliance driven, very um, difficult to be good and or great at all things. So, you know, I, I had a realisation that you either need to build out a really significant team to be experts in every different area of the business um, or the service that we offer clients, or you need to do one thing and you need and you can do it really, really well. And so that's what I decided to do, um, personal insurance cover. Um, and the more I'm doing it, we've been doing it for three years, and the the ability to improve the business uh, grows. So we can we can make improvements to make our services better, but also the list of things you need to improve also grows. Um, so my list of improvements are not reducing; they're only growing. Um, mm-hmm. But we're just getting better at at what we do, and, and we only do it. Something that I've always known myself that and was always in the back of my mind when I bought my property is how important personal insurances are for just your financial foundation. So can you explain to us a little bit what the personal insurances are as a whole and then we can go into a bit of a deep dive into what each of them are? Yeah, good question. So insurance is kind of a term that, you know, covers the idea of, you know, paying money for someone to cover something, what it is. So car insurance, we understand you pay an insurance company. If you crash a car, they'll give you the money or they'll replace the car. Same with home and contents, all of those things. We only do personal insurance. So that's a category of insurance that insures the individual. So there's 
four different types of policies. So life insurance. So if you're dead, there's money that gets paid out to your dependents or your spouse. Uh, the second one is disability insurance or total permanent disability. So that's if you can never return to work again, um, you'll get paid out a lump sum payment. The next one is dis uh, income protection. So that pays a monthly benefit to replace a portion of your income. And the last one's trauma insurance, um, which is for specific medical events. So, you know, it may not mean that you can't work because of that medical event, but it could be quite significant. So like cancer, a heart attack. And these insurances, they can cross over. So you can get some payments for income protection, some payments for trauma. Um, so they can cross over. But that's kind of the four main personal insurance covers. I would probably say across the board in terms of when we speak to clients, I, my impression is that personal insurance is the least known about form of insurance in the market. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, everyone, that, everyone you know, knows when you get a car, you, you insure it. When you get a house, well, you kind of have to, for finance reasons, get, get it insured. <laughs> um, but yeah, personal insurance, they, yeah, most people kind of don't really understand what it is, how it works. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely tends to be the one as well that uh, the majority of clients don't have anything in place when we do speak to them as well. As I'm sure you're probably, you would probably see the same thing. That's right. And, and it's, it's interesting because a lot of super funds will set up a default level of cover, um, which is great. Um, having default cover because it's something's there at least. Um, but it kind of builds in this false security of going, oh, my super funds got it sorted. And then when you look at it and you go, well, actually 134 grand in your Hester account for life insurance um, and you just got a million dollar debt or half a million dollar debt. Is that going to be enough if you pass away? Um, and yeah. so it, it's great that default cover, but it does sometimes bring in a false sense of oh, I, the super fund's got it covered. Yeah. What is the difference between getting personal insurances through your super or going through a financial advisor like yourself? Is there any differences in that? Yeah, so there's a few like hyper-technical differences, which I won't geek out too much. Don't <laughs> don't give me too much room to geek out. Um, but some of the some of the main differences is like the super fund only has one insurance company. So um, just like going to Commonwealth Bank to get a loan, they've only got one loan um, to provide you. Whether that suits you or not is doesn't really matter because that's the loan provider. Well, they may have two, one basic, one offset account, and they call it two different loans. Um, and it's the same with super funds. You go to your super fund, they will only have one insurance provider to, to provide the insurance for their members. And so it's good that they'll offer default cover. Um, but if you want to increase it, which you can through the super fund, you've just got to go through that, that insurance provider. Going through a financial advisor, the, one of the major benefits um, is that we can use any insurance provider on the market and we can also get your super fund to still pay a lot of the premiums. And so it's not like uh, if I go and you know choose the insurance provider I want, I've got to pay the full premiums out of my bank account. No, we can still use that you know, Australian super, super fund to pay a lot of the premiums, even if we don't use the end insurer that they use. I think something that's a common misconception that I also had before I spoke to you was that they're not through super, they have to be paid out of pocket. And you also think they're extremely expensive and they're not going to be viable unless you're on a really high salary per year. And that was something I was super worried about and something that obviously is a myth. And I am super happy because I can pay most of my premium through my super. Can you touch a little bit on what the, I guess the percentage split on how much I guess you can pay from super and what you can pay just from your bank account on a monthly basis or annual basis. 
Yeah, so I'll, I mean, I'll answer the question a little bit going back to what the differences are. So within super fund insurance, um, superannuation legislation, now forgive me, I'm geeking out a little bit here when I start talking legislation, <laughs> but super legislation says it's really restrictive to get money out of super. So the government basically doesn't want us to pull money out of super. That's for retirement savings, so keep your mitts off it. And so insurance contracts within super funds are really restricted because of that purpose. So some really, you know, simple understanding is if you quit your job, you go on holidays to Europe for three months and then when you come back, you'll get a new job, you injure yourself in Europe and you're not gainfully employed at the time you injure yourself, this super fund just legally can't pay you an income protection benefit because as part of superannuation legislation, you're not allowed to pull money out of super if you're not working at the time of the injury. And so that's one of those restrictive terms that it's not because the super fund's bad, not because the insurance company's bad, it's just legislation on super restricts it. So when we structure cover for, for clients, it's we talk about how much can come from super and it can be roughly, you know, kind of as much as you want, but normally, you know, anywhere up to 80, 90%, depending on the structure of your total cover. And the reason why it's not 100% is because some of the features or benefits of policies that we like to set up for clients can't be paid from super. So that trauma policy that we talked about that pays out for cancer, heart attacks, strokes, MS, you know, there's 40 odd conditions that it will pay out on, that can't be paid for with your super money. There are some things where you can have your income protection where most of it's funded from super, but a small portion is paid outside of super. So the benefit of that is if you go and injure yourself in Europe, then you'll still get paid it. If you're on, you know, parental leave at the time of claim, you can still get paid. While the super fund wouldn't pay you that, um, and then a little bit of a total permanent disability policy can be paid outside. So normally, when we talk to clients, it's anywhere from, you know, it can be eighty percent of it paid through super and a small portion paid outside. But also, at the end of the day, I don't pay my clients premiums. I never do. So um, if a client came back to me and said, "Look," I don't want to touch my cash flow because we're about to buy a house and it will impact servicing or whatever the reason may be. Great. Well, we can set up the policies today and it's all paid from your super. And But bear in mind, there's going to be some restrictions of the policy and then we can add those things later once you've bought the property or once those things are more important to you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. If you're setting up a policy that is paid partially through super and partially through your own cash flow, and then, for example, in that instance, something occurs where you're not able to or you wouldn't have been able to uh, release that money from super if something had happened to you. Because it's now been paid via dual purpose, can you still access the full benefit or would some of it be restricted because of that super legislation? Amazing question. Um, and I didn't even tee that one up for you, but um, <laughs> you can you can still access the full benefit. Yeah, so even though a portion okay. is paid through cash flow, the full benefit is payable. And so, yeah, I'll, just to go into a bit of detail with a disability claim, they will affer, they, the insurance company will first assess it on the more restrictive terms. And if they will pay it out on the more restrictive terms, they'll pay it to the super fund and then you can pull the money out of the super because it's you're allowed to pull the money out. If you don't apply or if you're not eligible for that, then they will apply the less restrictive terms that says, can you do your own job ever again? If the answer is no, then they'll pay the money directly to yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's a full benefit. Yeah, Same awesome. with income protection as well. Reaching on, going on to income protection, because I find that's the most interesting of the personal insurances personally. I know myself that there are different levels of income protection. There's stepped and level premiums. There's different waiting periods. What are the differences in 
what the waiting periods are in terms of how much they cost because I'm on a four-week waiting period, but I know that generally people are on 12 or twelve weeks or 90 days. Is there a benefit to having a shorter waiting period like me or is it better to have a 90-day waiting period and have cheaper premiums, I assume? Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's the waiting period is one of those aspects. It's It just impacts the price and impacts the claim. So it's similar to when you're buying car insurance or, or mm-hmm. home and contents. How much do you want your excess to be? So if you're driving around with your car insurance and your excess is $100, if you go and wipe out your car, you're paying $100 and you, you get the money. And your premiums will be higher because of that low excess. If you said, look, I've got you know two grand in the bank account just for this car accident, I'll put two grand in the bank account and save my premiums. Well, then you can have a $2,000 car excess. And then if, if you have an accident and it's, you know, two and a half grand worth of damages, well, you're only going to get that that $500 difference. It's very exactly the same thing when it comes to waiting period. So if you're really comfortable waiting, you know, three months without an income, then you need to be injured or ill or sick and out of work for more than three months before you'll start getting paid. Now, the downside of that is if you have multiple um, events where you're out of work, you've got to have multiple 90 days worth of, you know, cash mm-hmm. in reserves, um, so there is there is a cost savings. It's anywhere between like you know twenty, maybe thirty percent of the premiums, and it de- depends a lot, a lot on a whole bunch of factors. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, like when you're in a you know low risk occupation, high benefit amount, so your income's quite high. Sometimes that savings it can be like if you don't claim in the next twenty five years, you'll be better off on a ninety day waiting yeah, period. That makes sense. But if you claim in the next twenty five years, well, you may as well pay the extra because the extra money you get on claim time will well outweigh the savings. Can you go into a little bit of detail in terms of um, with the the four different types of uh, insurance that you've mentioned, what do they actually pay you? Like what is the benefit? You've alluded to some are obviously monthly premiums, some are lump sums. How is it calculated and what would the client receive? Yeah, so um, in terms of the, the sums insured benefit amount, so like life insurance, if you're dead, then you'll get paid out that whatever sums insured you're covered for. So if you're covered for a million dollars and you pass away, your family or, or, or will get a million dollars. If it's disability, you get the full benefit if you qualify. If it's trauma insurance, same thing. If you're covered for you know 120 grand or 200 grand and you have cancer, then you'll get paid out the full 200 grand on that diagnosis. Income protection, it's a monthly benefit. And you'll you'll get the full benefit as long as your income at the time of claim was what you're covering for. So if your income is significantly lower for a number of years, the insurance company may pay you a little bit less than what your benefit amount is. So anyone listening, they can kind of look at their um, policy schedule and they, they'll be able to see the premium, so how much it's costing you, and then the, the sums insured or level of cover or benefit amount and, and some other terms that insurers use. And in with income protection, if you say you're on $75,000 a year, but you forget to update them that you're now $100,000 a year, if you're on hundred grand, but then you make a claim, they're going to do it on the $75,000, aren't they? Or will they do it on the hundred? No, they'll do it on the amount that you're paying for. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And you're not going to get the full $75,000, are you? I'm, I'm aware it's about 75% of your income that you'll get. Yeah, yeah, 70 to 75%. Your policy, because you set it up last year, is 75%. 
if you set up a new policy today, it's you know anywhere between 60 to, to 70% of your income can be replaced. And that income protection benefit is taxed as well. So one thing when you're looking at your, your schedule or your policy, the benefit amount is a pre-tax number. Can you explain in terms of, that's obviously for PAYG clients who are on a set salary. What about if you've got, I mean, very similar to us in the mortgage broking space where you've got variable income for clients that may have bonuses or commission type form of income. And then also from a self-employed perspective, how they then calculate the benefit available. Yeah, good question. So um, there's kind of two requirements for income protection. At the time you set up the policy, the insurance company or the underwriter will make an assessment and that can be um, pretty harsh. So some insurers won't offer cover for commissions um, or bonuses and some insurers will. Um, And then the, the next thing is at claim time, what does the policy actually state? So now don't rush out and read your PDS, but you kind of should rush out and read your PDS because it'll <laughs> just say, how is the benefit calculated? So they will articulate that. Most insurance policies will cover all forms of income that can be proved that is that is generated by yourself. Now for self-employed clients, it can be a little bit um, more complex and it's, I mean, definitely worth speaking to a financial advisor if you're self-employed because of complexity involved, because there are some things like depreciation can actually be included in um, an income protection policy. You know, any profits that a business makes, even though you're not, um, you know, paying the profits out, you're generating them within a company, they can be potentially covered under an income protection policy. But then the, the opposite is also true. If you have income earning staff members within the business, that may be an issue at claim time as well. Because if you're earning 100 grand and your um, tax return says 100 grand, and then you're injured and you're ill, and you can still pull out 100 grand out of the business because you know you don't have that much of an impact on the business from an actual personal income, then that may actually reduce your benefit at claim time. So it is self-employed is a very complex kind of scenario when it comes to income protection, and it's worthwhile speaking to an advisor. Do you need to be in your company or sole trader, self-employed for a certain amount of time. For us, it's generally around two years you need to have your company up and running for. Is it the same for personal insurances? No, not at all. A lot of people think, you know, if they've gone through the lending process or I can't do anything for two years, personal insurance is a little bit different. That There are insurers who will, they'll put what's called a a newly self-employed clause on. So if if you earn 100K next week, you're self-employed, they'll still understand, okay, you think you'll make, you know, 80 grand this next year they'll cover you for that but they'll put a clause in and say we won't pay out a claim based on any employed income it's only that self-employed kind of time frame sure what about in terms of trauma cover can you go into some of the benefits that uh, that does cover and some of the exclusions i guess yeah so trauma is the kind of the easiest one to claim on because it's very, very particular in terms of what is claimable other than life insurance. Like, do you have a heartbeat? No, okay, we'll pay out the claim. <laughs> it's kind of pretty straightforward. But but trauma, it's like, do you have a diagnosis of cancer? And is that, can the doctor sign off on that? Yes, here's your money. Um, so we had a client um, with breast cancer, got paid really, really easily for that. We've also had clients who have MS and the definition on an MS claim means that you have to have a specific severity of MS. So it's not just yeah. the diagnosis right. of that, it's also the severity. So today, these clients um, can't claim 
on their trauma policy. Um, but if their MS condition um, deteriorates over time, then it will be a, a claimable event. So again, you know, it is very dependent on the policy and the provider. And there are also some partial payments. So like um, melanomas, even if you have a melanoma, it gets cut out from your GP, you can still get a partial payment on a trauma policy for that. Bringing up a melanoma, what, because obviously we live in Australia, we have a high rate of skin cancers here. If you have skin cancers that get cut out and then you get another one that gets cut out, do you get exclusions for repeat offenders, I guess, on policies? Yeah, so Ev, you asked about exclusions. So exclusions are at the start of the policy when you apply for it. You've got to go through your health history with the insurance company because they want to understand their risk. Similar to lending, they want to know everything about you uh, to understand the risk of are you going to pay this debt back? And so same with insurance. Are you going to claim on this cover and are we going to can you over a million dollars? And so um, exclusions comes at the start based on your health history or family history. So if you've had previous sunspots, it's been cut out um, and then you apply for trauma cover, they may put an exclusion um, for melanoma on the policy. Or if you've got even even family history of cancer. Um, so if, you know, different insurers have different you know, kind of scenarios. But if your mum has had breast cancer and you then apply for cover, depending on on your mum's age at the time she had cancer, that may the insurer may place an exclusion on on your policy. Um, and again, another plug why you should speak to a financial advisor because because we kind of know, okay, depending on the age, this is the insurer I would recommend because they're not mm. going to place the exclusion versus one that that will based on on the mum's age. And so but Maddie, to kind of address your question about like if you have the claim and then want to claim again for income protection, there's no exclusions. You can claim on the same event, however long, for as long as it's it's a legitimate claim for. Things like um, trauma policy. So if you claim on um, skin cancer or, or just cancer, um, you won't be able to claim on that again a second time. Oh, okay. Oh, that's Makes very sense. interesting. I didn't know that. And what about um, with life and death cover? I believe that you can also get it paid out when it's very similar to TPD. Is that correct? Where if you get diagnosed with terminal illness, potentially, you can also get life cover paid out? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> So this is how medicine works. If your heartbeat stops and, and stops for a long time, no, it can't yeah, as in if you get diagnosed with terminal illness, can you also get life cover paid out, I guess, to help support and advance? Of yeah, that, it's that. very dependent on the policy. But, yeah, there are some things. I try and just simplify it and just say, hey, you've got to be dead for this. But um, we also just tell our clients, if anything health event happens, just send us an email and we'll kind of let you know what's claimable or what's not. And how do you figure out how much people should, uh, I guess, insure themselves for? Like, do you just pick a set number of a million dollars, 1.5? Does it go off their income or does it go off a wide variety of things? So the way, I mean, you talk to, you know, 10 different advisors and you'll get 15 different outcomes on on what the right level of cover is. So everyone's different. We've got a set philosophy that we think is important. So for life insurance, if you've got a home loan, we want to clear that debt and we want to replace the lost income minus tax that you pay so your take-home income minus that debt repayment because if we're if we're clearing the debt we don't need to repay that debt anymore and and it's very dependent on the situation so if you're you know single and no dependents you may just want money to clear the debt so your your parents aren't left with the debt Um, but if you've got a partner you've got kids it's really important to replace income and and clear debt 
Um, for disability, we think about it where we want to clear debt. So if someone was to be disabled, they don't have their, their home loan. So we don't clear all debt. So we don't think about investment debt as, as needing to be cleared. And then we want to replace the difference between income protection and your income. So um, as we kind of touched on before, income protection doesn't fully replace your income. So there's always going to be this pay drop if you're if you're disabled. So we just give you a lump sum or we recommend you take out a lump sum payment to cover that gap if you could never return to work again. And then a little bit of money for medical expenses. And then trauma is similar. We want to cover income for 12 months. If you've got income protection, then we kind of have a have a formula around that and a little bit of money for medical expenses. And then income protection, we kind of say, let's cover the maximum because like it is only 70% of your current income and most people can't just live off 70% of their current income. Do you think that there is one particular insurance out of all four that is an absolute must that if people essentially could only get one type of cover, they should all, all apply for? Yeah, for sure. Um, income protection. That's kind yeah. of a no-brainer for me because yeah. like most people think about, oh, my house is worth a million dollars. That's really important to protect. Or oh, my car's worth 40 grand. Oh, I don't know. My car's worth like 10 grand. Um, so I don't know what normal Same. people um, <laughs> pay for cars. But, um, you know, I better ensure that. I don't have 10 grand in a bank to replace a car plus the 50 grand in damages I've caused to someone else. Your income's like really significant when you think about if you calculated your income I think a 30-year-old on 80 grand a year between now and retirement, they're going to earn like $4 million a year. Like it's a lot of money. Um, and if you can't earn that money, either for a short period of time or a long period of time, like the technical term we use is like your stuff. Your ability to earn an income will generate and dictate how you're able to then go forward in terms of investing or lifestyle or whatever it might be. So it literally is your livelihood. 100%. And, you know, everyone's got dreams of buying your property, dreams of buying an investment property or whatever it is going on holidays. Well, guess who affords the holidays? Your income. Like you working mm-hmm. pays for everything. And so if you can't work for whatever reason, then then you can't have any of those things. So, you know, I always think about or talk to clients about like, yes, go and do all these really exciting things and amazing things, but protect the downside. Like hopefully you never claim on it happy days, how good is this? You've wasted so much money on insurance that you've never had to use. But yeah. guess what? Someone's used that money because insurance companies aren't just pocketing it. They're giving yeah. it to someone else. So on that topic, when we talk about income protection or when people should look into getting them, is there any, I guess, age or what's the thing that you would look out for for somebody to start getting income protection or any of the four insurances sorted? I mean, income protection is number one. TBD and trauma is number two and life insurance, depending on your life stage, in my mind, if you're single, it's number it's number three for sure. Yeah. Um, if you've got a family dependence, then bang, life insurance is super important. And so when to do it as early as possible. Um, at the the way insurance works is it's just like um it's just like lending. If you are desperate for the cash and you need to get a home loan, like how many people have come to you saying, oh, we really need to get this loan because we're not in a great financial position? It's like, well, we can't get you a loan. Like it's really difficult because you're not in a financial position where a bank's willing to offer you the, the loan. It's the same as insurance. Get it before you think you need it while you're young and healthy and you'll never need to claim on it. Get it then because you won't have any exclusions. You won't have any loadings and there's no issues of the cover. And it's cheap while you are, well, comparative. Most people haven't 
spent any like mm-hmm. spent any money on insurance though it is expensive <laughs> but it but it's like while you set it up while you're young it can be quite cheap mm-hmm. um so then if you have a health event even if it's not claimed on it means it's not going to impact your cover in the future um but if you you know have some you know medical concerns you hurt your back you hurt your knee then you'll have three exclusions on your policy um, when you do take it out in your mid-30s or whenever it is and when it comes to I guess because we, if I'm referring it back to an analogy of home loans, we generally recommend our clients refinancing every two or so years. Is that the same when it comes to insurances? Obviously, you can have exclusions, but say someone like me that's young that has had their policy now for a year, but I've had no claims and had no changes to my health. Do you recommend looking at other options? Do you recommend reviewing them with the current insurer or do you just stick with what you have yeah good question so we are really big believers in when it comes to insurance is to stick with the same insurance provider now that doesn't mean don't review it because your life will change you've got higher debt you've got higher income or you've got lower debt you know you're going on parentally whatever life comes up with we need to review your insurance to see if it's still appropriate do we need to reduce increase where personal insurance isn't a good idea to to shop around every year is because it's all based on your medical history. Mm. So if you set it up today while you're young and you're healthy, you know, statistically every 10 years, someone has, or everyone has a major health event in their life. So we can't just keep shopping around. And so I don't want to just try and get like introductory rates or, you know, you know, better um, like pricing today because long-term it may not be best best for people so car insurance shop around every every time because they do the work on a computer to work out what the the risk of a claim is and that and you'll always get a cheaper price um, but when it comes to personal insurance cover the process to get covers painful don't know if you remember it's mm-hmm. a painful experience wasn't too so, bad for me but it probably wasn't as great for you you did everything for me yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. it's, but it's it's it is a time-consuming exercise um you've got to be on the phone with the um, insurance company they may need it right to your your gp to get a report so it is time consuming and it is based on your health events so you, if you shop around and try and chase the cheapest price you kind of whenever you have a health event you kind of left holding the bag with that one insurer are they actually yeah. the right one or did they just give you the cheapest price that year? So what we, the way we think about it is we want to set up really well properly. And the way we recommend our pricing for clients is a little bit restrictive in terms of your ability to move. But it, I believe it's best. I, I've done that for my policy. I'm with one insurance company and have been for my whole, ever since I set up when I was like 24. Mm. So it's, it's easy enough to essentially review it with the same insurer once you've got your, your cover in place, whether you need to fluctuate the actual level of cover and that sort of thing, but you ideally don't want to be changing providers because they've got to go through that whole medical research and background process again. Is that essentially what you're saying? So it's it's not easy. I can tell you, it's actually no. creates a significant amount of work for us to do it this way because insurers, like it's similar to lending. It's like it's easy to go to a new bank, but when you go and talk to the and then the existing bank will only give you a better interest rate once you give them the discharge paper. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, yeah, yeah. hold on, guys. Um, so it can be difficult increasing and decreasing. So, sorry, decreasing is easy, super easy. The insurer is paying you less money. Happy days, they'll charge you less in premiums. Increasing, they'll make a, a full new assessment on whether they need to put any, any medical restrictions on the policy, but it will only be on that increase. So the rest oh, of your cover oh, that you've got doesn't get impacted. 
Okay. So that's why in the future, if we increase your cover, Maddie, and yeah. you know you you hurt your back three weeks before we do it, it'll only be the you know hundred thousand dollars of extra cover or whatever whatever number we you go ahead with. It'll only be that increase with the exclusion, and the rest of the cover is is clean and is left as is. If you move insurance providers, the whole cover will yeah. have that exclusion. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So if we tie this back to property now, as this is a property finance podcast, when it comes to, I guess, wanting to insure for property debts, would you think about everyone's, if it's an investor or an occupier, if it's cash flow positive, if it's cash flow negative, are those things relevant or do you just look at the debts of the properties and you wipe them completely um, Is it when it comes to, I guess, the lump cutters and things like that? Yes, we, we don't think about covering investment debt. Um, Interesting. Even if it's negative or positive, we give. We don't want. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's our clients' policy. They can choose whatever they want, uh, but we don't recommend it because if you've got an investment property, as long as we're replacing your income, which which we do, and we think is really important, then mm-hmm. whether it's positively or negatively geared, like shouldn't have that much of an impact. But we want to cover the debt of your principal place of residency. Yeah, so that's the way we think about it. So if you get cover before you get a property and then you purchase one, how difficult is it to do the process again and change your level of cover to cover the debt of your own occupied residence? Yeah, so if if you're in that situation, re- if you've gone through a financial advisor, reach out to the financial advisor before you settle because within the policies, there are often um, ability to increase your cover without any medical requirements. As long as you do it within... It's like, depending on the policy, like 30 days of the settlement. So um, you can go through, you can have a massive heart attack three three years before. And as, as long as you have that life event, you can increase it up to a certain level depending on the different providers. So definitely when you're buying property and getting loans, reach out to an advisor if you do have insurance at that time because they may be able to increase it without. It's like, again, lending scenario. You can get more debt without actually going through the whole servicing calculators and working out whether you can actually service that debt because that's inbuilt in the, a lot of the policies. Interesting. That is something I did not do. <laughs> it was something that was on my agenda. I was like, now I'm buying this property, I better get my cover reviewed uh, and didn't do it within 30 days. <laughs> yeah. So in that instance, what can Ev do if she reaches out to her advisor? Is that going to affect anything being 30 days post Yes, yeah, so it's just the normal application process. So yeah. it will be viewed as a, a whole new application. They'll make an assessment on your on your medical history again. Um, but if there are any exclusions or loadings, it'll only be on that top up. Yeah, as, assuming you go back to the same insurer. Yeah, um, that makes if sense. your advisor recommends another insurer and there is an exclusion, then it'll exclude the whole thing, which they they probably wouldn't do. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And in terms of the different types of cover, in terms of the level premiums or step premiums, how does that work? Yeah, so step premiums is like if you go through your super fund, it's always stepped or it actually can be unitized. So within a super fund, it's either cheap today and it will increase as you get older or it's cheap today and as you get older, the level of cover will reduce on you without you asking for it so the premiums don't get too high. So that's okay. called unitized cover. Right, and that's, that's actually really, really not good because uh, the amount of clients I've had who are like, yeah, I've got 200 grand in my super fund and we look at their cover and they're, you know, mid 40s and it's like 50 grand of cover. And they're like, oh my goodness, that's nowhere near enough. It's ridiculous. Why would you want to get older and have your ability to claim reduce? 
Well, because super funds make money on investments. That's a good point. And so <laughs> we do not want investments to be impacted by insurance premiums because mm. super funds don't own insurance companies. So it's just a, a hard cost to them. So, mm. yeah. I mean, my cynical view on it. That's Interesting. Sneaky. Um, but so the, then they're stepped, which is cheaper today. But every year you get older, the level of covers the same, but it gets more expensive because a 60-year-old is more likely to claim than a 30-year-old, so the premiums will be reflected as such. Mm. Now, the last one is level premiums, um, and you can only really do this through an advisor, um, and which means that you pay more today, but it doesn't increase the cost every year you get older just because you're getting older. Now, there are some kind of caveats to that. If your level of cover increases, either just automatically every year it can go up or, or you get a pay rise and you increase your cover, then the premiums will go up because the insurer is paying you more, so your premiums will go up. And then the other one, which has been happening more historically, it may happen in the future, but who knows, is insurance companies, at the end of the day, the way they work is they're just a big bank account. Everyone pulls their money into that bank account. When people need to make a claim, they pull the money out of that bank account. So if there's more claims than what they anticipate, they need to tell every insurance policyholder, hey, we actually need more money in that bank account. So even stepped, level, unitized, wow. whatever it is, everyone can get a price rise regardless of, ah, of anything else. Interesting. Even with level premiums, do they still go up according to inflation every year or year on year? If your level of cover goes up by inflation. Okay. Yeah. So with your policy, you can turn that off if you want to. So, yeah, it, different insurers have different terms for it, but some call it inflation protection. So it means like a million dollars a day. Next year, I'll have a million and thirty dollars because it's gone yeah. up three percent. Yeah. So if if that's happening every year, then your premiums will go up um, because of that as well. Relative to the same inflation rate, I would assume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you did touch on that we could only do level premiums through advisors. What's the process of going through getting a personal insurances just directly through an insurance provider or going through an advisor like yourself? Is there many differences? in terms of what the process is? Yeah, there is. It's it's the way we start off is we start off with an insurance proposal. And so we do all the work, the analysis of which insurance provider we think is best suited for you based on your health history, family history, financial position. And as advisors, we'll make a recommendation of this is what cover you've got today. We think you should keep it or replace it. And this is what cover, like the overall structure of the cover we recommend with these companies for these reasons. And this is a level of cover that we recommend you take out. So similar to broking, you, you know, you may want assistance um, with understanding how much um, debt's going to cost you. You want them to do a research on, you know, good interest rate or good loan provider. And so we do that work of doing that assessment. And then once the client decides on what they want to go ahead with, we help them through the whole application process from submitting it for them talking to the insurance company, as you said, Manny, we do all the work and you just sit there and just get told when it's all ready and if you need to sign something or not. And so, but if you go directly to insurer, most actually most insurers don't deal direct because they just don't want to. I don't know. I actually don't know why. It's just, I don't know if it's just because it's been that way for so long, but it's it costs them so much money to go direct and they don't have a direct presence. So they've got to build a lot of infrastructure to go direct. Um, the best way insurance companies sell insurance is through a super fund or through an advisor. Um, yeah. but, but some do. Um, and so you can go direct. And in that process, you'll just 
generate the quote yourself or with them. And then you just apply for the cover directly with them. And then whatever terms they offer you, you either take it or you, you walk away. No negotiations there. For us, if if we get bad terms that we don't expect, we can easily, you know, have, pick up a phone and say, hey, you know, Joe Blow at Next Insurance Company, like, would you guys offer the same? Okay, you would. All right, next. All right, would you guys offer the same? No, we'd give you a better outcome. Cool. Then we go back to the client. Do you want to go through this process and go with XYZ insurer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just from our perspective, particularly seeing it from the broking side of things uh, in relation to the clients and consumers that we work with, I think it's a no-brainer when you're in sort of any service industry that you always outsource that sort of stuff yourself because you're not an expert in that field. I certainly mm. would not be doing my own insurances. <laughs> I wouldn't know what I was covering myself for or the, how to understand it and interpret it. And that's right. And the outcome is so individualized when it comes to insurance. Like we had a client the other day who didn't tell us at the very beginning that they're planning on going to um, like Africa, do a tour in Africa. But because they were going within 50Ks of a country, I don't, I forget which country it was, the insurer that we applied for rejected them. It's oh. like, oh my goodness, within 50Ks, all right, you're fully declining the cover. And then so we went, all right, cool. We uh, we shopped it around and we went, okay, we can actually go with this insurer because because even though you're going within 50Ks, they were fine because you're not going in that country. So happy right. days, let's let's um, pick up the phone and, and apply with that and other insurance company. And so a lot of a lot of people who come to us after they've gone direct, they'll often say, oh, we got an exclusion. We don't understand why. Yeah. At the end of the day, the super fund, they just want to process the application if they get paid or not. Like they've only yeah. got one provider to go with. If they can help you or not, that's the end of the day yeah. and the end of the conversation. Sure. At least with a broker for mortgages or an advisor with insurances, we can at least have a conversation with multiple insurers. And so how does your process then work personally? in terms of client comes to you, uh, I know you charge a, a flat fee. Um, is that different to other financial advisors? What does that look like when a client inquires? Yeah, so we we do a 15-minute phone call. People can book on our website and it either be with myself or one of the advisors on the team. And then that just really helps us understand if they're the right fit for us. And, and we just really want to make sure people understand we only do insurance. So we're not going to set them up with a separate super fund or investments. We only do insurance. If they are the right fit, then the next steps is an insurance proposal and we charge $330 for individuals or $495 for couples. And that's to go through the whole research stage and, and come out with an insurance proposal, reviewing their existing cover. So whatever they've got at the moment, will that'll form part of the proposal. And then from there, if they decide not to go ahead with anything, for whatever reason, there's no other cost. Um, and then if they do decide to go ahead with an application, either as we've recommended or, or with any changes, um, then we process the application and we get paid a commission from the insurance providers. And that's pretty much it. And then every few years, we kind of review the cover. And, you know, if, if there's life changes like Maddie changing occupations, then, mm -hmm. you know, happy days. We'll, we'll update the insurance company and, and, you know, depending on what the outcome is. Mm. On that, actually, with my career change, there was the potential that I needed to wait 12 months before switching over cover. Is What was the reason for that again? So a lot of insurers, um, it's it's similar to like what's the reason people want to wait you know, two years before you self-employed before they'll give you money. It's because mm -hmm. they just want to make sure that you, know, you do it and it's sustainable. So some yeah. insurers will have requirements where if you do an occupation change, they don't want to see you go from you know, being a garbage truck driver to working in admin um, and straight away change it. Because once they change it and they make their decision then, 
they can never go back on that decision. So mm-hmm. for the next 30 years, they'll they'll cover that, you know, garbage truck cover as an admin person for the rest of the life and the premiums will be halved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after, you know, six months, if they decide, actually, I really don't like this, I want to go back and do old work, well, then the insurer is just taking a massive risk and, and underpricing that policy for the rest of the policy. Yeah, sure. So they are um, conservative in terms of their assessment all the time. Um, and we're sense. conservative. That's why I told you, Maddie. hey, I'm just letting you know it'll probably be 12 months and hope mm-hmm. for a better outcome. Yeah, which we did. We got a better outcome, yeah. which is great. They're mm-hmm. happy, again, are they happy to, for me to pay less because I went from a higher risk industry to a lower risk because now I'm working from home full time, which is fantastic. Ah, fantastic. And, and it's also, um, it's, I mean, you know, this is why working with um, advisors or brokers is really helpful because like that insurance company, we're like their top or well, their fourth biggest firm. So like, also, a part of it is like, hey, guys, do us a favour and do this. Take and, do us a and solid and take care. Of, yeah, like, and and there is, like, you know, we're not getting, like, 50% discounts on any premiums. We don't get any discounts for clients, um, like, because we can't. Um, the insurers don't do that. But they there are some commercial realities. When there is a business doing volume, then then it's more helpful. And that's why we, we spread the love around so everyone loves yeah. us equally. There's obviously, we're not going to submit it an individual application to every single bank that there is out there because at the end of the day, it's what's best for the client. But there will happen to be banks that you tend to submit more applications with than others naturally. And as a result of that, you can often get some papers pushed and pulled where where it's warranted and where you see um, that perhaps there's some exceptions outside of policy that you know um, can be overturned or, or looked at favourably. So it makes mm. it makes sense in that regard. And and in insurance, there's not that many insurers in there. So we don't, like broking, there's heaps of banks, yeah. heaps of lenders, mm-hmm. heaps of options. In insurance, there's actually not that many options. So sometimes it's like, hey, we couldn't get a better outcome from anyone because there's actually limited options mm-hmm. and this is your only option. So even though we didn't expect it, we don't like it, no one else is changing their mind. So it is what it is sometimes. Awesome. Well, we have one question for you, Phil, in terms of uh, the getting into the property market, which is a question that we like to uh, get everyone that comes on our podcast to answer, which is what would be your number one tip for someone getting into property, whether it be their first home, their fifth home, whatever it might be, and you can either tailor it to insurance or not, but your number one tip. Yeah, get insurance and don't worry about property. No, no, just kidding. Um, no, my, do, it, do it early. I mean, similar to insurance, do it early and like and prepare, prepare yourself to borrow money even when you don't think you need to. So be smart financially, save money, have a good, like even speak to a broker and say, what's my servicing? Um, is there anything I can do to improve this? So you, you can kind of prepare yourself, even if you think it's five years off, because guess what? As soon as like, three of your close friends buy a house, guess who's going to want to buy a house? It's you straight away. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to everyone I know. Um, when your friends start buying, you want to start buying. You get now. FOMO, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so as you say, you want to be prepared from a, I think from a general financial habit perspective to have that level of commitment to making those mortgage repayments and setting yourself some good foundations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you and reach out if they want to know more? Yeah, so our business website is sky.com.au, so S-K-Y-E.com.au. Um, and then you can book a call with someone in the team. Maybe it will be me depending on availability. Um, but you can just send me an email, phil, P-H-I-L, at sky.com.au.
And what about your social media platforms as well? Yeah, just, just search Sky Wealth, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm too old and we've got someone in the team who helps me with that. So Mimi's going to yell at me for not knowing this stuff. Um, social media, just search Sky we'll Wealth. Put it in the, uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Thank you so much for having for coming on. We've really enjoyed chatting with you and I'm sure there will be lots of value that listeners will get. Number one tip, everybody, go and get your insurances reviewed. Yeah. <laughs> And early. Yeah, you're never too young. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of You Have My Interest. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. To find out more about how Everland can help educate and empower you to achieve your goals with finance and property, just visit everland.com.au forward slash podcast and book in a free discovery call.